If you had an opportunity to catch The Irishman over the time that you got to spend with your families, many of you took breaks, took it in two sittings, didn't watch it in the one three-and-a-half-hour block that you cleared your schedule for, which is fine. That might be the approach to watch the Raptors game as we are on Round Ball Roundup, utahjazz.com, J.P. Chunga, recapping the two games that the Jazz had over the weekend as they are looking to close out this road trip against Philadelphia tonight. We'll get into that game and look at the week ahead as well here on episode 18. But because it's the freshest game out there, you have to review Toronto first. And it has to be the Irishman approach of looking at this game through that first quarter. The first half is going to be the worst watch that you will have to do this entire year as you look at how Utah played this game. Donovan Mitchell tweets in the night, please, please, please have the same energy, please, with the zippered smiley emoji to boot. And this sort of happened in the Memphis game where they put themselves in a hole at half. It wasn't to the same effect as what you saw against Toronto, where you're down 40, 77-37, but against Memphis, 55-40. What needs to change and, and what needs to be emphasized this week has to be on the defensive end, because giving 77 points, giving 55 points up to teams in just 24 minutes of play isn't setting it up for success. And digging yourself out of a hole and having a 49-point quarter in the third against Toronto on Sunday, it does a lot, and you're still down 20. So no moral victories. Moral victories are for minor league coaches. The energy level just needs to be there when they start off these games. This isn't something that has been indicative of the entire season. It's much like that rebounding issue that cropped up in November, where maybe the emphasis wasn't put on it strictly so it lagged on. Jazz were in the top half as far as defensive rebounding percentage, but they just weren't grabbing those type of rebounds. And the same thing is true with first quarter scoring with the way that this team has been performing in opening frames. They've been top half opening games, but the last two, it's just put them in a very deep hole that they just can't dig out of. You can't rely on yourself to dig out of these type of holes every single time. Quinn Snyder described it as awful the way that they were playing. The real crux of it was the way that Toronto was just defending. They were not allowing Utah to make any shots. First half, the Jazz just hit 13, and then nine minutes into the third quarter, they had already done that better by hitting 15 shots nine minutes into that third quarter. Can't go scoreless for five minutes in the second quarter. Toronto did a lot in mixing up their coverages because I saw a box in one with the one being on Donovan. I saw a triangle in two with two being not only Donovan but also Boyan trying to disrupt what the Jazz were doing offensively. And that's a very, very aggressive Toronto team in wanting to force turnovers. 12 turnovers in the first half and 18 on the entire night. You shorten those in the first half and you play more focused and you bring that energy. And not only will it feed into what they do defensively, it'll feed into what they do offensively. Mike Conley put it eloquently after the game describing what Quinn Snyder said to the team. Basically it was how bad do we want to you know, be a good team? How bad do we want to win? Uh, are we willing to sacrifice and do little things? Uh, like, I, like I said earlier, just getting back on defense is something we got, we all can't can control. Um, turn the ball over, we can control that. Like we can control these things that that um, you know we were doing tonight, and um, you know 
there's no excuses. We just got to get, get, you know, to watch him film, get back to work, and luckily we have another game tomorrow. So Quinn challenged them. How good do you want to be? In Andy Larson's triple team in the Tribune, Ingles took it a step further. When they do those type of things, they can be really bleeping good. And it's about doing those things to be really bleeping good because we know where expectations are for this team, how high NBA media was, how high we were on just seeing this team. The offense now needs to get there. As far as being real contenders... It'll happen once the offense gets to the same level as the defense. Not that it needs to be number one, but it needs to be top 10 at the very least to being a real threat in the Western Conference with all these great teams. Now, Lakers early have shown themselves to take advantage of a good schedule of having the opportunity to play teams below 500, and we'll get to see a good test between both these teams on Wednesday at the Viv. Utah's real road to contention starts once the offense gets going. And offenses can take time to get better into the later parts of the NBA season. They just do because they understand the playbook more. You've seen it with the way the Jazz teams perform post-All-Star break. 18-7, and 18-6 last two years when it comes to performing after the All-Star break. Quinn Snyder coach teams just get better with the time that they have to soak up the information. If there is a bright spot from Toronto... Jeff Green was the explosive piece off the bench, 19 points in his action out there. That group needs somebody to step up because they can get a little helter-skelter with being willing to just see Emmanuel Moutier drive to the hole. That has been a problem with the starters as well, as, again, in the triple team, Andy referenced that. But you need Emmanuel Moutier to break somebody down if the offense can't rely on anybody else. That's why I've been very okay with seeing him going out there and just taking the challenge of beating his man and having that floater because he's been shooting it, at least before the last two games, at a high enough clip. It has been worth the risk-reward of shooting a two when, of course, the three is the more optimal shot. This isn't a throw-it-into-the-garbage-don't-review-the-game-at-all. You have to watch these type of things to learn and get better. Just don't do it all in one sitting. Down 15 at halftime, the Jazz do come back to beat Memphis on Friday. Ed Davis is back. He grabs five rebounds in the Jazz's lone victory on this road trip so far, the longest one of the season. Boyan Bogdanovich had a stellar outing, 33 points on 8 of 12 from two-point land, 4 of 8 from three, and he had five free throws. The respect that Toronto gave him, making him one of the guys that they targeted on defense— Prove to me how important he is to the offense and how important he is to getting this thing going. He's been super reliable this year. Really efficient as well. Boyan's going for 21 points on 46% shooting from three. Career numbers. They were able to bottle up John Morant, who after the game learned that he sustained a little bit of an injury. But the respect between Donovan Mitchell and John Morant was nice to see. He's going to be great in this league. As somebody to continue to watch, I like those young pieces that Memphis has. Brandon Clark, who is a stats king over at Gonzaga, advanced stats love his game. They've got little pieces that you can build around and figure out what you've got. I like what they're doing out there in Memphis. Mike Conley had eight points against Memphis in his return once again, and then Sunday turned on his output with 20 
played a little bit better, but nobody really had a great night. Lends back to what we discussed with Aaron Falk last Friday on the podcast on Round Ball Roundup. What's the level of concern that you have for Mike Conley? Still up and down. Uh, um, obviously, started off with, with that poor shooting to start the season, and, and he's finding himself. I think he's still really trying to get guys in, involved and, and figuring some things out offensively. I don't think we, we've seen the, the best of Mike Conley yet by any stretch of the imagination. Just just the way that he's kind of struggled to, to find his touch with his floater and, and, and at the rim. I, I think those are things that are that are just going to come around as, as time goes on. You know, everybody gets into into funks in, in any part of their life or their, their job, whatever they do. And this is obviously, you know, he's had some, some hits and misses with, with it so far to start the year, but 12 years of, of excellence. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not super worried about Mike Conley yet. I think he's, he's going to figure a lot of things out over the next couple of weeks. Same point when it comes to Mike Conley, as it is to the entire offense, time will make sure that it gets to the level that it needs to be at. Offensive rating is 22nd in the league. That's not going to be the same once we reach the end of the season. And potentially there could still be moves to make out there in the Western Conference. And with trades about to launch off in the middle of this month, things are going to change in the entire landscape of the NBA. Two rivals this week for the Jazz, as not only you have Philadelphia on Monday, but also the Lakers on Wednesday. The top teams in the West will all be jockeying for position, also be jockeying to peck at each other because there's a there's a level of rivalry between them all. This Sixers game is going to be fascinating because Philly is a completely different team when it comes to road home. Undefeated at the Wells Fargo. 9-0. They figure out how to involve Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on offense. They know what's required when it comes to playing in front of the fans. And also, since they're in Philly, back to the Irishman. Irishman didn't have a Philly accent, and a lot of the movie was set in Philadelphia. Like, nobody said Wooder. Nobody gave you the South Jersey drawl. De Niro and Pacino giving you New York accents. Well, this is a movie based in Pennsylvania. Anyway, Ben Simmons caught up with Serena Winters on the Philly broadcast after their win against Indiana. Something like 16 lead changes, 14 ties. This one just went back and forth, but you remain undefeated at home. What was the biggest difference? The fans. We don't want to lose in front of them. We're scared to lose in front of them. <laughs> Simmons is good. We talked about how last week Stephen A. was broken by Embiid going scoreless against Toronto. Well, he's been bouncing back. 33 against Sacramento and then 32 against Indiana last time out. 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block in 33 minutes. Simmons had 2 steals to help get over the hill against Indiana. Winners of 6 of the last 7 for Philadelphia. Those fans, which Ben Simmons is afraid to lose in front of, they also were very nice over the weekend. They gave a standing ovation to T.J. McConnell, of all people. When are you hearing Philadelphia fans go out there and be nice? That's what this team has turned them into. Gobert against Embiid is always a fun matchup to watch. Mitchell against Simmons. And seeing the response after a very difficult outing against Toronto. Bringing that energy that's required so that they can be good. Sanitized version of what Joe Ingles said. We'll know early on how things are going. And then 
completing the effort because Philly leads the league in comeback victories. Ten points or more, they've been able to do it. They are different from road home. And mind you, that team was on a West Coast road trip when they lost to Utah. After tonight, they come back. Lakers on Wednesday. And this is after the Lakers have lost to Luka and the Mavericks. The Lakers begin a road stretch of their own, which includes a back-to-back starting on Tuesday against Denver and then across the Rocky Mountains to take on Utah. People have pointed this out from Amin El-Hassan, Zach Harper I've seen really chiming in on this. The Lakers are 3-3 and against teams with above 500 records. The meat of that point where they were on that 10-game winning streak, it wasn't against the cream of the crop of the conference. It was Phoenix. It was Sacramento. Now in December, where they go 8 of 9 on the road, we'll learn about the other L.A. team. Because I think everybody believes in Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers. The Lakers will get their own test. It's never too early for the playoff discussion, but who you want to see in the playoffs, whether it's the Clips or LeBron, I would take the Clips every single time. Because LeBron playing at an MVP-like level, just not having anybody to match up with him. Royce O'Neal matched him in that first game. Team didn't have Boyan Bogdanovich, so him being available on the floor, so him being available ought to change things and bring another body that you can throw at LeBron as well. LeBron just is a cheat code that has no equal, and there are more like parts when it comes to the clips over the Lakers. Lakers can overpower you with what they have with their one-two punch. Their top-end talent is great. And if Dwight Howard is providing what they need off the bench, they can even excel at another level. Lakers on Wednesday. Then, wrapping it up on Saturday as Jay Crowder and Grayson Allen return to the Viv. We'll get into more of that game when it comes to Friday's round ball roundup. We just saw them. They bounced back from that loss on Friday. They beat the Wolves last night. So we'll catch up on Friday, Round Ball Roundup. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Make sure to help others find the program. Five stars and nice reviews, all I ask of you. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.